Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. We're going to go ahead and make sure that this is refreshing on Rumble because right now, looks like Rumble's having a little bit of a streaming problem. So stand by as we confirm that our friends on Rumble are here with us. And there it is. All right, I see it live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Thursday. It is February the 1st. Now, when I started the show and I got it all loaded up, I was a little behind the eight ball this morning. You ever have those mornings where you wake up and like the dream is still running in your head and it doesn't really make any sense? That's kind of one of today. And one of the things that I remembered about February 1st is when I was active duty in the Air Force, I had a team sergeant. He was a staff sergeant. And he used to always joke with the one or two darker skin, but they weren't black. I don't know what they were, like Cuban or uh, Dominican or something. And uh, maybe they were like Hispanic black. And he used to always mess with them. And it was this like really good sort of amusing enlisted guy rivalry game. And he said because they would joke about Black History Month being February and they had to be, you know, everyone had to be nice to them. Then he would say, um, I don't do February at all. I just do January 31st until January 60th or something like that. <laughs> and every time February rolls around, I always think about that. I don't know why that stays in my head, but it's a really weird thought and it's really silly. We're going to have a more than uh, a more serious than silly show today. We got a lot of stuff going on. I kind of entitled this one All the Adults are in charge. Thank God, right? We've got a brewing war with Iran. We've got uh definitely non-serious people protesting things that have nothing to do with in this country. It has absolutely nothing going on. We have zero Zero ability to affect certain policies, but they're going to try to do it at the local level. And and so what we're seeing in this strange moment is that uh, people at the local level want to affect national politics. We're seeing like governors and and mayors doing foreign tours and going different places. And then on the same thing, we're seeing these uh, these federal officials that are trying to affect local policy, which is also really strange because some of these things, particularly stuff like the Dobbs decision. It was thrown back to the states, and it's like, okay, the federal government is supposed to stay out of this, but they're not doing these things. Nobody is staying in their lane. Nobody is doing the things that are within their role, and so it all looks very theatrical from my end. That's my take on it. I believe that there's a lot of theater. We're going to show some people, and we, we've talked about this a number of times about how when we see people kind of getting extra angry and we don't know why, like it feels like they're acting, there's two possibilities. Number one, they are acting, and it's sort of like this KFOB WWE rage. And the other possibility is that it is, it, it could be like a full impotent rage where it's like they know they have nothing they can do and all they have is that emotional outlet on the other end of it. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, we're going to have a handful of videos of stuff. We got some historical footage of Joe Biden. Very interesting conversations with my wife. Uh, why does Joe Biden not look like the old Joe Biden? How come Joe Biden doesn't look anything like what Joe Biden used to look like? I know this is like the, the stuff of conspiracy theories, but the more that you look at it, it doesn't make it. He doesn't sound like the guy close, but no cigar doesn't really look like the guy doesn't really act like the guy. I don't know if that's just aging or something else going on. All right, before we get too far into that craziness, I want to say thanks and welcome a brand new sponsor to the Kyle Serafin Show. I'm, I'm really excited about this one, guys. Okay, uh, we brought on a brand new sponsor. This is Contingency Medical. Okay, and you can go to contingencymedical.com. Again, contingencymedical.com. The link is in the description. 
Contingency Medical using promo code Kyle. You'll save a couple bucks, but here's what they offer. And I just ordered mine up. I'm actually psyched about this. You guys know I've been a paramedic for over a decade. And one of the things I used to be able to do was uh, hold sick calls. So people would be able to come to me, tell me their basic symptoms. And under the care of a physician who was entrusted you know, for me to look at it, we would be able to do field meds. This is your chance to have your own meds in your pocket. Okay, it's prophylactic, it's pre-ordering so that you have a basically a pharmacy sitting in your little contingency medical pocket. And then what they give you is a guide on how to use them. The physician will review whatever it is that you your medical history looks like, the same as you would in a doctor's office, it's like telehealth, except then you pre-prescribe and all this stuff stays with you so that when those particular symptoms that you might meet, like diarrhea, there's some antidiarrheals in there, there is some uh, antiemetics, which is for nausea or vomiting, that's a really big deal for some of us because that will absolutely sideline you. And so you can use this if you are rolling into a survival situation, if you're going out backpacking, if you're going on a long trip and your pharmacy and your doctor are not gonna come with you, you can basically set this up in advance and carry it with you. I'm super amped about this. I really am. This is like one of my most excited sponsors because when they told me what they're doing, I went like, yes, this is the way that it needs to be. And uh, and I talked to the uh, the CEO the other day and he basically said, we're looking to, to change what the future of medicine looked like. Essentially, empowering the people. I'm doing a little bit longer on this than I normally would because I think it's such a neat idea. And this is really a partnership. This is not just a plain sponsorship. Super interested. So guys, check out Contingency Medical. Again, contingencymedical.com. Use the promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. That lets you know that uh, we sent you. It's all about preparedness and it's all about it's all about taking that self-reliance back where you are not reliant on some medical system or some doctor that's gonna try to like do something that you don't trust. This is all putting it back into your power and into your hands. Really love this idea. All right, let's get started with today's show. All kinds of weird stuff going on. As I said, I don't think the adults are in charge, but let's let's give it a shot anyway. The first thing that uh, hit me yesterday is this video, which is actually just an audio clip and there's a video that goes along with it, okay? And this is from Fannie Willis. This is the prosecutor that's going after Donald Trump. All kinds of weird stuff, okay? All kinds of weird stuff going on in that Georgia prosecutor's office. We don't really trust what she's doing and why should we? We're finding out that there's, uh, you know, she was spending like $650,000 on a dude that she was having an affair with or he was having an affair with her. Take your pick, it doesn't really matter. Uh, here's this article coming out of the Washington Free Beacon. Actually, two stories that we're gonna talk about out of the Free Beacon, both really, really good. Uh, Fannie Willis axed employee who blew the whistle. Oh, wait a minute. Are you telling me that a whistleblower, somebody who said that there was a pattern of ethical violations, an abuse of power, a misuse of federal funds because they got some federal grant money and there were some real issues with the way that they were talking about spending it, that person, they didn't address the concerns. Are you saying that they just tossed them out on their head? Sounds like we've got another suspendable on our hands over here. Uh, reading some of this reporting, less than a year into her tenure as the Fulton County District Attorney in 2021, uh, Fannie Wills met with this woman named Amanda Tipman, or Timpson, rather, T-I-M-P-S-O-N. She was a uh, an employee within the attorney's office, and she was responsible for giving nonviolent juvenile offenders alternative to the juvenile justice courts. So it sounds like probably, you know, likely politically aligned. And she wrote some grants. We're going to actually listen to her. This is some some hidden audio recording that the Free Beacon put out where they're actually just, she's trying to basically tell her boss, like, hey, we got a problem here, boss. And by the way, I'm looking out for your interests. Um, and Willis not having any of that because obviously they fired her 56 days later. Listen to the audio real quick. If you had to give me a sentence, what is the sentence thing? Once I told him about his 
respectfully and in an email about his lack of leadership and the fact that he wanted to do things with grants that were impossible and i kept telling him like we can't do that and questioning stuff he would take me off projects tell people i wasn't doing what i was supposed to because i questioned him because i understood i helped write that grant i knew what was in that grant he told everybody in front of crystal deontay everybody we're gonna get macbooks we're gonna do that we're gonna get swag we're gonna use it for travel i said you cannot do that it's a very very specific grant took me off i questioned junior da there's kids in there from out of the the um the county all this took me off junior da i did not want to do it he made it look as if i wasn't doing what i needed to do because i questioned him because so, i knew for a fact mr cuffy respectfully did not know what he was doing period so i respect that is your assessment um it was clear to me that you and mr cuffy were not getting along and i'm not saying that your assessment is wrong i want you to really listen to the words i'm saying Cuffy, and this is my personal opinion to one woman to another, is dangerous to your administration. He tells people, when I reached out to you, he told me, oh, um, you think your word is safe? Um, exactly when you reached out to Miss uh, Willis, she called me and told me, she tell me everything. So once you reach out to her, she's going to reach up back out to me. So I didn't even go to HR. Okay, he put Dexter's something? name on my PDP and I didn't even feel safe going to anybody. Can I tell you something? Mm-hmm. I have three supervisors that have failed in this building. What's interesting to me, because I'm in a learning curve too, they each pretend to have a relationship with me that they do not have. Mm -hmm. I guess that's an intimidation tactic. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that you felt that way, but you, Dexter certainly don't have no relationship with uh, right. Michael Cuffey. You were safe to go those places. Yeah. All that's really hard to listen to. There's an awful lot of emotion in that voice, is there not? And, and what you can hear when you guys are listening to just the audio there is this is a woman who is bringing forward some some things that would theoretically protect her employer she's saying you hired a guy and we have a federal grant the, the story goes on to talk about $488,000 in federal grant money which was earmarked for the creation of a center of youth empowerment and gang prevention and they're going to use it supposedly for swag and computers and travel. And based on what we've seen about the way that this woman ran her office, that's not surprising to us, right? We know that there have been some receipts put forward. We haven't covered it on this show, but if you guys follow any news at all, you know that there was a, the story that uh, this gentleman, that this, this guy Wade, that she was um, running around with, was taking money from federal pay, you know, reimbursements and then taking her on vacations and doing all kinds of fun stuff. She's a compromised figure. And here's this woman trying to bring basically protection for the this uh this da trying to say look i'm on your side and i am concerned because i wrote that grant and if you've never done any grant writing if you've never seen any money this is what federal fraud looks like by the way there are entire squads that handle this for the for the fbi and for other different agencies that grant these these types of monies when they give money it is for a very specific use and theoretically they can be audited so the question is is will they be audited and did they use them improperly? All we know is, is that this woman was fired 56 days later, and it doesn't sound like she's a, she's the problem here. It sounds like she's the one who's trying to highlight the problem. But as we always see, and the suspendables always talk about, why attack the message? Why say, no, 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 she didn't do her job. That's what the problem was. When you can just get rid of the messenger that's what we're worried about. And that's what makes the, the guys that are in the FBI that are that are suspendables coming forward. Folks, if you're just joining us and you haven't done so before, 
by all means, give us a thumbs up here on rumble.com slash Kyle Seraph. And I hope you guys will uh, join us on there. If you're watching anywhere else, that's where the chat is. That's where you guys are keeping me straight. That's where you guys are telling me that I put the wrong date in when I first loaded up the stream. All of that stuff. Look, it's really sad. I feel really bad for this woman, even though we probably have no political alignment. I know what it's like when a supervisor tells you, and many of you have the same experience, right? You have the exact same experience. When someone says, I'm sorry that you feel that way, that doesn't mean that they're sorry for what happened to you, right? I mean, all the language in there is evasive. And then of course the actions that happen right afterwards, really, really ugly and makes us kind of sad for this woman. Um, do we think that there's gonna be any justice for her? Is it likely that she's going to get her job back? Maybe. You know, it sounds like she's a black woman in Atlanta dealing with a corrupt prosecutor, probably not locally. Do you think that the Biden administration might go after that or are they too busy trying to do this, this spin job that we've got going on? Um, I think they're a little bit more distracted because even my mother told me this the other day. What if it's just the fact that we lost three service members over in Jordan uh, with this Iranian escalation? What if that's what's going on? And, and here's what's fun. I go to CNN's webpage every single morning. You guys know I go do this. Deadly drone strike caught Iran by surprise, officials say. Wait, what? So the money that Iran is sending into rebel groups and militia groups that are funding their insurgency and their fighting against the United States that surprised them when they used it? That's the opening story. That's their lead headline right now. That is, uh, and if you click through it, what you what you get is a uh, a little story about this one. And this one is very charming to me as well. Talk about covering the U.S. sees Iran. Okay, l listen to the way it's phrased in the headline. The United States sees Iran is worried. <laughs> so the U.S. is recognizing that Iran is recognizing a concern or an anxiety about the escalating proxy war and attacks amid heightened tensions. That's the claim. That's what we're seeing CNN cover as the main story of the day for anybody that wants to go to their webpage. I had a little conversation with Owen Schroyer after I did uh, InfoWars the other day, and we talked about whether or not, like, what his process looks like. Because I'm always curious, like, how are the people finding what's going on in the world, and how are they, you know, constructing what they see is important. And uh, and he mentioned to me that he never goes to these web pages, and I just think it's so important that you know what your neighbors may or may not be reading. If you have neighbors that are on the uh, another political lean, this is the stuff they're seeing. That the United States is concerned that uh, Iran is concerned about an escalating. It's not even Iran's fault, except is it? We got two videos here. Um, number one, I want to play the the policy that the Biden administration has thrown forward. This is the policy that the that uh, Biden and uh, and Harris and uh, Blinken they've all basically told Iran in very strong terms. And this is how you know they're serious. Listen, it's a one word answer of why. So you just tell me if you feel any safer because of this. What is your message to Hezbollah and its backer Iran? Don't. Don't, don't, don't. What's the message to Iran? Don't. It was very important to send a very clear message to anyone who might seek to take advantage of the conflict in Gaza to threaten our personnel uh, here or anywhere else in the region. Don't do it. What is your message? <laughs> and double double Scott Pelly for you right there. Uh, and uh, welcome to Wesley Todd for being a monthly supporter. Thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate all those. All of you guys can follow and subscribe on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Listen, the message is don't. Did you guys hear it? It's very easy. It's one word. The only thing that I say, and this is maybe, uh, this is maybe a little bit lighthearted, but at least the Biden administration is all on the same team. 
You know, they're all on the same page of music. They're saying the same thing. Do you remember how many times in the first like two and a half, three years of this administration where Biden would come out and say something and then his people would come back and they'd be like, oh, that's not what the president meant. He actually meant the thing that was written down on the talking points. He's just uh, old and retarded and he doesn't know what's going on anymore. No, at least they figured out that the answer is don't. Now, think about how many times you've had a toddler and told them don't and then they do it exactly to provoke you. So anyhow, I just think it's fun. We've got CNN over here talking about uh, how the United States is seeing that Iran is actually worried. It says U.S. officials believe that there are signs that the Iranian leadership is nervous. Okay, we've got to take some of the stink off all of this. And according to multiple people familiar with you, really, according to multiple people familiar with United States intelligence, that's like that's like nobody. That's nothing. Uh, the attacks from the militia groups threatened to disrupt the global economy and significantly up the risk of direct conflict with the United States. And that's making Iran really worried. Mm, this is the same people that are screaming death to America and stomping on American flags. Not 100 percent sure that's the case. Uh, they've also backed at least 160 attacks on U.S. forces. They've backed these militia groups or these militant groups in 160 since October. What happened in October last year? Oh, the whole thing that was going on in, in um the invasion, the, the Hezbollah attack on Israel. So we've got that going on. And in the meantime, rather than young people, like I said, people are not willing to stay in their lane. They're not able to kind of stick with it. Rather than young people uh, pay attention to what's really important, we've got this like, oorah, we're going to back the regime. They're going to back Biden. How about Biden's own words about this? Because in theory, we live in a constitutional republic, not a democracy, so the president doesn't get to make unilateral decisions like, you know, starting a war, like we heard Joy Reid. What did Joy Reid say? I'll play it the other day. I actually played it the other day. I've still got it on my soundboard here. How about this one? Joy Reid. She's concerned about it. She at least knows because she does this for a living. How about Joy Reid's take? Over the weekend, President Biden said he's ready to take action if Congress is serious about solving the border issue. If that bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly. And Congress needs to get it done. Starting another fucking war. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Reid knows. Does he want to start another effing war? Is that what it's about? How about this? Joe Biden actually, who spent a lot of time in the legislative branch, which is supposed to be the most powerful. That's why it's Article 1. Executive is Article 2. Joe Biden actually used to know that you can't just go unilaterally to war because you're the president and you're the commander in chief like that. That's kind of a misnomer. It's actually in the Constitution. It says that the declaration of war comes from the legislature. And interestingly, Joe Biden, when he was not president, when he was just a guy who was uh, thrown out of his second attempt for uh, for running, you know, the, the preliminary attempt to be that because he was a, a plagiarist, he actually knew that. And this is, was his message and warning to George W. Bush. This is going back to December of 2007. And I want to make it clear, and I made it clear to the president, that if he takes the nation to war in Iran without congressional approval, I will make it my business to impeach him. Yes! That's a fact. That is a fact. Okay, so that's the take right there, right? That's the standard to which Joe Biden should be held, his own words, not too long ago, 2007. Although he doesn't look anything like Joe Biden. He doesn't sound like the Joe Biden of today. Hey, that's another story. That's another kind of show. Um, the question is, if the standard is that you take a con country to war, Without going to Congress, and that was Tom Massey, by the way, who put that that uh, clip up on Twitter. So I appreciate uh, the congressman doing that. Then the standard is, is that you should expect to be impeached. And apparently we love impeachments. We can impeach people over phone calls. We can impeach people over things that didn't happen. Uh, you know, coordination with groups 
whatever. We can impeach presidents for no reason at this point. So let's do it. Yeah, let's go. If you start a war with Iran, then that's what's coming up next. Uh, meanwhile, the kids are actually distracted. They're not even paying attention to this at all. This is, like I said, local trying to get involved in national or international and people that are national trying to get involved with local is the same sort of problem. Here is something coming out of Chicago. And you'd think that this was a bigger deal. Uh, I have no idea why these children, and that's what they look like to me. They look like grown children. They are probably adults, like in their 20s, but they act like teenagers because they have no sense of what's going on in the world. Here they are celebrating. This was a split decision in the Chicago, uh, whatever it is, the city council there. It was a 23 to 23 vote on whether or not Chicago would pass a resolution. Are you ready for this? A resolution that would call for a ceasefire between Hamas and Israel. Now, just put this in your head. Why on earth are people in Chicago, in the city government, making resolutions to declare their support for anything and the ceasefire when they have what's going on over in Chicago, which is also a war zone? Doesn't matter. This is what the kids are excited about. So the mayor is the tiebreaker, and you're going to hear him make his vote right here. Before this resolution, a motion, even though there is no tie. So I will exercise my vote and my right and both aye. Yeah! The theatrical headscarf came off when she was cheering. She gets thrown off the building, too. I mean, like, can you imagine throwing your fists up and, and being uh, this kind of cheering over something that has nothing to do with anything? It has no It has no impact on the world at all. I, I just don't get it. This is how unserious these kids are. And this is what is serious. Here you go. This is from one of my favorite websites. I used to look at this all the time when I was on surveillance. It's called Hey Jackass. Uh, if you guys don't know, heyjackass.com, fantastic for sharing information that is pretty darn good. I talked to people who are Chicago cops. They had no idea how this information was as good as it is. And uh, and some of them are FBI agents down there. They were like, dude, this is our place. We would always check Hey Jackass. So Hey Jackass is uh, illustrating Chicago's values, which is to say that they keep track of all the violence that's been going on in the city of Chicago. And you're seeing right there on the screen that every five hours on average, a person is shot in the city of Chicago. Now, that's just the average based on the overall numbers plus the number of hours that exist in any given year. Um, 2024, every five hours. By the way, by the end of this year, it'll probably be back down to every two hours. That's kind of how it goes. We're in a cold period right now. When it gets warmer and over the summer, that number is going to drop precipitously so that roughly every two hours somebody is shot. I'll just tell you right up now. And then the second thing is roughly every 24 hours. So almost we basically have just over once one or just under one murder per day on average. Okay, the January statistics are up there. I put them up there. 27 people have been shot and killed in the first month of this year. 34 total homicides, but 27 of them were done with a shooting. And this is one of the, the roughest gun you know, registration and the, uh, the most intense uh, gun registry states and restrictions. And then you have the final totals from 2023, which was down 12%, by the way. Look at this, 12% down, good to know. Only almost 650 people were murdered in Chicago. 647 total total homicides, most of them by shooting, and the total number of people were shot was almost 3,100. So that's actually down from some other times. Let me look at the number. 14% down for the total number of shootings from the year prior. So I don't know. Is that really good? Here's the really sad thing. The victims 
and the assailants, the victim slash assailant by race, 68% black, 21% Hispanic. By the way, that is a downgrade. There are more Hispanic people that are getting uh, shot and shooting in Chicago than they have. And I've been watching this thing for probably like almost 10 years now. It's just interesting to watch how these percentages break out. Uh, still, white, Asian, and other 10.5% are the victims in the, the race. It's uh, It continues to go down. The cause of death, 80% by gunshot wounds. It's always the same. It's the easiest tool to use. That doesn't mean it's the tool's fault. And by the way, these are not the worst that they've ever been because they were actually way worse in the 70s and in the 90s. So we're coming on a local high point. Uh, one of the highest points was in 2021 with 856 I'm just saying, if you're a stats person and you want to bring facts when you have arguments and discussions, if you ever want to just go, hey, the things you say make no sense. Here's an example of a city that does everything that you would want it to do, and it sucks. It's heyjackass.com. Use those. It will be, I think, very helpful as you sort of debunk the BS that's out there in the world. Uh, speaking of chaos and horrible things happening, you never know when they might come your way, so... I highly recommend you guys take control of your own food supply. Make sure that you get calories, right? That's the continuity of calories, the continuity of comms. Make sure you have power, food, and water, and you can pretty much survive all the crazies by just hiding in your house. You can do that by going to 4patriots.com slash Kyle. Again, it's 4patriots.com slash Kyle, the number four, patriots with an S on the end of it, dot com slash Kyle. Or if you go to the website, you click anywhere else, just use the promo code Kyle. It'll give you the same discounts. Guys, you go there because you're looking around and you say, man, there's some uncertainty. There's some issues in this world. I want to just hedge against it. It's the same reason why you'd want emergency medicine, food, medicine, water, all the basics so that you can basically hide out or travel and know that you have the things that you need should anything bad go on. They have a great car readiness kit that I highly recommend if you want to throw like just a bin. Some people, you know, you want to put your kit together. You want to go out and get 50 pounds of rice and 50 pounds of beans. You want to get frozen food and stuff like that and a generator for your uh, for your freezer. Great. But if you're not that and if you're just like, hey, I need fire and forget and I just want to spend a couple of bucks and then just feel better that it, when these weird things saying like the day of jihad coming at you and you're like, oh. What am I going to do? Am I going to start stocking water right now and filling up the bathtub? Or could you have water filtration on, on tap and have some options? Get yourself options up front. I highly recommend doing that sort of thing. So you just don't have the panic later on. It's just not worth the panic. It really isn't. Okay. So there it is. You've got people in Chicago. They're very, very excited about a resolution for Gaza, Israel, and they have no interest in the fact that they have their own war zone that is happening on a regular basis. Pretty wild, honestly. Um, so that's not very adult-like, is it? And then we say, okay, is there any backswing? Is anybody pushing back here? There's actually something kind of interesting coming out right now from a woman who was on our show. Many of you guys will remember our episode. If you didn't, go back and watch our episode with Tara Reid. So Tara Reid, credibly, I think, having listened to many of these types of stories, she credibly accused the Biden administration, specifically Joe Biden, when he was a senator of sexually assaulting her. And then you'll remember this crazy thing happened. She ran to Russia. You all recall that, right? She... We had an American citizen scared of our FBI, which I can't say she's wrong. She actually called me and left some sort of breathless uh, phone calls and said, hey, you know, like, I really need to talk to you. How do I know if there's an investigation to me? And I'm like, I don't have the ability to do that. I don't work for the FBI anymore. But she was terrified. And she literally absconded from this country. She went to Russia and she's in Moscow. She got uh, she actually got political asylum. She got political asylum because she was scared of the American government. And just think about how backwards that is for us. It's it's absolutely the reverse of the way that I was raised and the way that I would have believed things would have ever gone. If you had told me when I was in my 20s that somebody was going to run away from the United States and go to Russia for political freedom, 
you know, you, you would just be like, I, I don't think I understood. I must be drunk. What did you just say? She's now suing the Biden administration remotely from, from Russia, okay, uh, for millions in damages. I Like, this woman has gone through so much. And whether or not this this lawsuit proceeds in, in any kind of functional way, I have no idea. But I do know that she was legitimately terrified having spoken to her, you know, in a non-public way. And I can also tell having spoken to her at that time and then also speaking to her while she was in Russia, which, like I said, go back and watch it. She actually did a, a really nice interview with us and taped it, stayed up really late in, in Moscow so we could get it on uh, on tape for you. Man, uh, she, she's infinitely more calm and and so much less anxious and that's crazy to me that being in Russia would do that. The, uh, the lawyer that's uh, filing on her behalf filed a tort claim Wednesday seeking $10 million in damages for the infliction of emotional distress and anxiety. That's just a random number. It doesn't mean anything other than it's less than $83 million for making up a rape charge that some lady did in, in New York. So that's kind of wild. That was that was denied. The tort claim alleges that her Fourth Amendment rights were violated as well under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. That'll be really, really hard to prove, folks. I'm just saying, because you're never going to have the, 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 the state's not going to declassify that stuff. And I doubt that a judge is going to order it. So it's unfortunate. This is the reason, and we talk about this sometimes, we talk about why the government claims that they have this perfect record on FISA. It's because nobody has what they call standing. They have no legal ability to bring suit because you can't prove that you were under FISA surveillance at all. There's no ability to do that because it's classified. And the government will just be like, well, that's classified. We can't talk about that. And then the judge goes, well, how do you know that you're under FISA? And you're like, well, obviously, they must have had some surveillance on me of some kind in order to get it. And the FBI goes, yeah, uh, we don't talk about ongoing investigations and we don't talk about stuff in the national security realm. And then that's it. And the judge goes, yeah, this is a national security that actually trumps your personal liberties. When national security starts trumping your national your, uh, your, your individual personal liberties, the federal government has overreached. That's what it looks like. Our founders would have rolled over in their graves over this. What's the meme say? George Washington and his homies would have been stacking bodies. Like, that's where we're at, bud. We can't be having that. We cannot have a federal government that is that is now existing because it, it exists. This is why we call it the self-licking ice cream cone. It, it's an analogy that works on a million, a million fronts. But the self-licking ice cream cone is that the government thinks that it exists for the sake of the government existing. That should be so problematic for you. That should be so frustrating and confusing. And we cannot allow it. We, we just can't. Which makes me wonder, it's like, how much of the stuff that they're doing, is it just theatrical rage? Is there anything that's going to happen on it? A lot of it just looks like theater on so many levels. It looks like theater. Uh, we've got another thing you want to talk about, theater. Good Lord. I've got a great story here for you. This one actually kind of makes me want to puke. So this is this picture that you're seeing on the screen right now. This is coming from NPR. You know the NPR is more than happy to run puff pieces. There's two things the NPR loves. That's National Public Radio. NPR.org. There's two things that the NPR loves. Number one, it loves transsexuals in other countries to normalize the nature of transsexuality. They love that. And they would have you believe that it is the most prominent problem on God's green earth, which they would object to the idea of it being God's green earth. So maybe like Mother Gaia or something, whatever they're into. And the second thing is they love running interference for the Democrat Party. They absolutely, they live on this. So this is a puff piece written by a woman named Carrie Johnson put out yesterday that says, as she leaves the DOJ, the associate attorney general recalls the case that will stick with her forever. Now, I'm going to tell you, I read this whole article three times. And not once after reading all three of it was I able to come away with what that case was that will stick with her forever. I have absolutely no idea what the case was. It might have been Uvalde, which had nothing to do with DOJ, it turns out. Uh, the DOJ was investigating it because there was some failures, but I don't know why. I, like It was like a local 
issue. It was a local guy who went and did a local thing, and then thank God, some studs from the Border Patrol's um, BORTAC unit went in and handled business after hours of, of not doing the right thing. And they just write this puff piece. She's been in a sprint for nearly three years. That's actually not possible. Anybody who's ever done a sprint, we all know about that. Her name is Vanita Gupta, and she's preparing to leave her post this week. And she's been literally running down the hallways and crossing another person, running down the hallways in the opposite direction, just so we can convey information and make sure that we're having the types of robust discussions that we need to on matters of the day. Does that mean anything to you? Does any, just take a moment. I have been, imagine if you told your boss, your boss was like, hey, what have you been doing all day? And you're like, I have been in situations where I have been literally running down the hallway and crossing another person running down in the opposite direction just so that we can convey information to make sure that we are having the types of robust discussions that we need to on the matters of the day. And then your boss would go, okay, well, what are the matters of the day and, and uh, what information did you convey? Did NPR ask that? We don't know because they didn't report on it. That wasn't relevant to them. They're not interested in sharing information. What they're interested in doing is presenting this facade of authority. And the best piece was, if you read down through it, it says it's her second term at DOJ and she was in the Civil Rights Division, which we talked about the other day being real problematic. And that's where Kristen Clark's at right now that Mark Hout mentioned. Here we go. Another top priority for Gupta has been responding to the Supreme Court's Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization decision. The Dobbs decision which threw out an abortion rights precedent that has been on the books for nearly 50 years. I need someone to answer, and you can do it in the chat. You can maybe do it in the comments below so I can read them later uh, easier. Can you please leave me a comment where the DOJ has a responsibility of responding to what the third co-equal branch of government? You remember the DOJ is not a branch of government, right? That's under the executive. Its job is to help enact the law to execute the things that Congress comes up with. The DOJ is part of the mechanism that's supposed to execute what they came up with under law. And the Supreme Court is supposed to be the referee. And the referee said, uh, this is BS. There is no precedent here that is, that is worthy of maintaining. That case law is bad. It is now an issue that goes back to the states. And so what do we have? We've got another example. This is the federal government, the DOJ, and this woman, Gupta, who is going to tell you that the biggest thing that she had to do while she was the assistant or associate attorney general is try to fix what the Supreme Court undid, which is outside of their authority. And they are doing that, by the way. Now, if we're being real honest and we consider this a win, which people who are pro-life should consider it a win, it goes to the states, you fight them in the state houses, DOJ has no business. But what are they doing instead? They're trying to actually push the envelope any way they can because they cannot accept that the, uh, the Supreme Court is, in fact, the final authority. I mean, that's what looks like an insurrection to me. How about you? When your federal government is fighting against the federal government because people who are political appointees have this feeling that what is what was done by something that is superior to them when it comes to powers and authorities, when they're going to fight it, like, under what authority? They're trying to press uh, through abortions on Medicaid, by the way. That's where they're at. They're trying to push it through. So this is all in this article. Uh, once again, I, I couldn't find whatever the case was that stuck with her. She actually makes up this great story. I love this. Uh, quote, we've heard some horror stories of women being denied emergency care, which she means abortion, and being told to literally sit in a parking lot while they're bleeding out, et cetera, because doctors are literally afraid. How many times did she say the word literally in this, this interview? Of being prosecuted for making the wrong decisions or wrong determinations about whether something is an emergency requiring abortion care to save a woman's life. I'm going to say it right here. That is complete bullshit. 
There is zero chance, no chance that a doctor sent a woman back into a car in the waiting room of a hospital or in the parking lot to bleed while she was bleeding for some sort of menstrual problem. No way. Never. You don't even have to work in very many hospitals to know that that is absolutely the opposite of what our medical system does. Our medical system is so scared of doing things that are litigious. They are absolutely terrified. It's why I actually love contingency medical, which we brought up earlier. It's bold what they're doing. It's smart. It's working within the law, but they're finding a better way to make healthcare available. You cannot tell me that a doctor turned away someone who had visible blood or was like even spotting and saying that they had pregnancy problems. They would be admitted immediately. They would be at least taken into the emergency room and done a full examination. They would not be discharged unless they came in and they said, hey, um, I'm pregnant and I want an abortion and I think it's an emergency. And the doctor's like, no, it's not an abortion. Uh, it's not an emergency. Go. That might happen. But the whole idea of the abortion, uh, as it was just pointed out in the chat, life of the mother abortions, they're incredibly small, almost like 95% or higher of the, of the abortions that happen in this country are abortions of convenience. This is so disingenuous. And these are the kind of people, she's the number three at DOJ. You want to know why our things are so jacked up? Another fun thing. You ready for this one? Because this one's pretty good. <laughs> Steve Friend brought this up in an interview the other day. And when he landed it, I wasn't sure how Steve, Steve and I were on Jesse Kelly uh, last night. And we were talking about this. And sometimes Steve gets on these things, same as me. We just start getting riled up and we start telling this thing. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how it's going to land. I had no idea how Steve was going to land it. He brought this up. And it's so good. Merrick Garland, this is from, uh, this is going back to May of last year. This is from the Washington Times. Totally recommend this piece. Uh, it's old, but it's funny. Merrick Garland says that the people who are attacking pro-life centers are too clever for FBI. And they work at night. Coming from March of, uh, of last year, like almost a year ago now. Attorney General Merrick Garland said Wednesday that he's deployed the FBI to track those responsible for attacking crisis pregnancy center. But... The agency has been stimmied by clever criminals who do their work at night. If you guys are wondering, like, hey, how do I get away with a crime? I don't want the FBI to find out about it. Wear a mask and do it when it's dark, apparently. <laughs> and then Merrick Garland says, well, I love this move, too. This is always that, well, if you have information, you should give it to us. If you have any information specifically as to who these people are, we'd be glad to have that. No, you wouldn't. You're lazy. And you're trying to make us act like you're stupid. We know better than that. That's why this pipe bomber thing is such a problem, by the way. Because they've shown this blatant political hand on what they're willing to go after. You've got an, a number three at DOJ talking about how abortion and trying to fight the Dobbs decision, which they have no say in, is in their purview. And meanwhile, they're going to go after the FACE Act. And they're only able to find the people that are sitting, like we saw yesterday, who are poorly, if you know, but, but blocking a pregnancy door by sitting and singing. Uh, a pregnancy, uh, um, what do you call it, abortion center. And so this is what, this is what uh, Merrick Garland says, direct quote from this article. This is fantastic. He says... Uh, these people who are doing this are clever, and they're doing this in secret. And I'm convinced the FBI is trying to find them with urgency. Really? Did they drop a geofence, man? Was that data corrupted too, like the pipe bomber stuff? It's just, it's so crazy and silly that we have this nonsense. This guy is out there gaslighting you. And the best is that he just said, you know, it's happening in the dark. Uh, Ted Cruz was pissed about it. Marsha Blackburn was pissed about it. All those things were out there. There's this like absolute fury. And like I said, I don't know if it's theater or if it's rage. I don't know either one. Um, let's go ahead and play a quick video of Ted Cruz doing his thing about a totally different but also infuriating situation, which is that they had Mark Zuckerberg, who looks very unconcerned, sitting in front of this uh, this hearing yesterday. And they're talking about child pornography, which they call, uh, I think, child sexual abuse material, CSAM. That's a different agency in the FBI. They call it VCAC. 
It's violent crimes against children. That's the nature of the violation. And so um, that would result if you do a violent crime against children, which is sexual assault or, or uh, you know, filming pornography or any of these things, then it results in the creation of CSAM, that child sexual assault material, child sexual abuse material. So there it is. Mark Zuckerberg was called out um, six months ago, eight months ago by the Wall Street Journal for having an algorithmic boost to essentially pedophiles, people who are looking for that material. And I think this this is uh, kind of a long clip, but it's really telling. Again, you guys decide whether or not Ted Cruz is actually just yelling in impotent anger or whether it's theatrical. It could be a little bit of both. I can't rule it out. But uh, this video is so telling, not necessarily for what Cruz says or asks, but number one, the the warning that pops up and the fact that you can just click right through and still get to whatever that this uh, child sexual abuse material is and the fact that uh, Zuckerberg just seems utterly unconcerned. Uh, I know people have kind of compared him kind of robotically, but take a look at this and then uh, we'll, we'll get back to it in just one second here. In June of 2023, the Wall Street Journal reported that Instagram's recommendation systems were actively connecting pedophiles to accounts that were advertising the sale of child sexual abuse material. In many cases, those accounts appeared to be run by underage children themselves, often using code words and emojis to advertise illicit material. In other cases, the accounts included indicia that the victim was being sex trafficked. Now, I know that Instagram has a team that works to prevent the abuse and exploitation of children online. But what was particularly concerning about the Wall Street Journal expose was the degree to which Instagram's own algorithm was promoting the discoverability of victims for pedophiles seeking child abuse material. In other words, this material wasn't just living on the dark corners of Instagram. Instagram was helping pedophiles find it by promoting graphic hashtags, including hashtag ped whore and hashtag preteen sex to potential buyers. Instagram also displayed the following warning screen to individuals who were searching for child abuse material. The these results may contain images of child sexual abuse. And then you gave users two choices. Get resources or see results anyway. Mr. Zuckerberg, what the hell were you thinking? All right, Senator. Um, the, the, the basic science behind that is that when people are searching for something that is problematic, it's often helpful to, rather than just blocking it, to help direct them towards something that um, that could be helpful for getting them to get help. In, in what, I also, understand get resources. In what sane universe is there a link for see results anyway? Well, because we might be wrong. We we try to trigger this, this uh, warning, or we tried to. All right, that's as much as I want to watch of that. Mostly the thing that's, that's incredible is, yes, the see results. I think Ted Cruz is correct. He's talking about something that's insane. Why is C results the option if it's potentially not just problematic, which uh, that's a really, really gentle word to talk about. How about it is against federal law for you to distribute this stuff, possess this stuff, create this stuff. And so you might be breaking federal law and therefore we're not going to help you. 
And if we blocked out content that wasn't a violation of federal law, don't do weird stuff on Instagram that might look like child sexual material. Because he says, you know, the science is, is that we want to offer people resources. Really? The science is they should refer them. Where are they going to refer them to, though? You guys know? I'm going to tell you that in one second here. Before we do, uh, I want to say thanks to my buddies over at Patriot Coolers, which are, in fact, fueling the rage right now. Yes, they are. This is the cup sitting on here. I've got the 16-ounce uh, tumbler. This is in the uh, the blue fantastic company, PatriotCoolers.com. You guys, I've been using these since 2017. Not this one in particular. My other ones, my original uh, version 1.0s, have been sitting either in my cup holder or on surveillance since, uh, yeah, for like seven years now, almost seven years, six and a half years. And they've been to 20 states. They're a fantastic company that supports veterans. They're based in Texas. It's Patriot Coolers. Again, PatriotCoolers.com. Again, same promo code. Always easy. Four little letters. K-Y-L-E. That'll save you 10% off. I was actually talking to somebody about the merch store the other day. Same deal. Promo code. Kyle. K-Y-L-E. You guys can go to Patriot Coolers if you want to get a cooler like you see next to that. Um, that's what I use for my groceries. Literally every time we go to the grocery store. That one, I think, was a, uh, a light grocery store run. And then we do Costco in there, too. Just... There's a lot of everyday uses for maintaining the thermodynamic sort of stability of your food in your vehicle. So, uh, you know, don't just put it, buy it, and then stick it away in your attic or something like that or hide it in your garage. You might as well put them to use. You can use their tumblers every day, and you can actually use the uh, the, the hard coolers probably three times a week if you guys are like us and you're doing regular grocery stores. Check them out. Again, PatriotCoolers.com. The promo code is Kyle. You know what's funny for me, guys, is uh, somebody said play that clip faster. You guys said play the clip faster because you're used to hearing me speak really, really quickly. I actually got a negative review. Somebody said, slow down, man. You sound like you're on speed. No, this is how fast I think. This is how fast I think. This is how fast I talk. And I'm not trying to sit around all day long and hear someone droll on and do the theatrical performance of a Ted Cruz. Look, there's a lot of impact on TV for that. Maybe. Or maybe you could just get that information out because we want to hear it quickly. That's the way I do. I do the show the speed that I do it because otherwise I would get bored. And I feel like if you guys like it, that's why you're doing it here. This is what we're all about. Okay, so who would be handling this child sexual abuse material? Anybody? Is there anybody that we could trust to go after child sex predators? The FBI? Mm, no. No, not the FBI. We have some inside information coming in. Los Angeles field office failed dramatically on notifying another field office about a, a pretty good tip that there was a, a child being abused and that child was abused for an additional year. 12 more months of physical abuse. That agent has been OPR'd and walked out, we're told. Uh, probably lost their job. Maybe some supervisors did as well. But the real problem is the FBI is not staffing up actual resources for it. And instead, what we have are stories like this. This is coming from ABC7.com, which is a uh, LA news station. It says more than 500 arrested, dozens rescued in statewide human trafficking operations. 54 adults and 11 children were rescued. That's a big deal, including a 14-year-old girl. Some of these are going to be like later teens. Okay, more than 500 arrests and dozens rescued in a week-long operation. It's called the Operation Reclaim and Rebuild, and it's done by, yeah, the Los Angeles Regional Human Trafficking Task Force. You hear that word regional? That means it's not federal. That means that there were no federal agents that were part of this situation. And it was the Los Angeles County Sheriff, Robert Luna, who basically went out and made the press conference and was quarterbacking this thing. It sounds like they realized that they couldn't go to the feds because the feds are too busy fighting abortion. And the next thing, which I'm going to tell you about in a second, which is the number one priority. And instead of doing what they could have been to help kids, which I think all of us can agree is a net good. 
children the future of, of, of this country. And more importantly, it's really the basis of Western society. One of the things I've always kind of landed on, the reason why we have Western Christian values is because we are hopeful people and we look to the future. And the future is essentially women and children. Why? Because women are the ones who give birth to children and raise them in the most compassionate way. Say what you want, dads. It's a different animal. You need a mom. It's, it's physically impossible to have these babies without them. And then the second piece of it is, is that those children represent the hope that we are doing anything for. It's the reason why I tell people, if they're asking, hey, you know, life is rough, things look crazy, should I have a kid? Yes, I wish I had done it earlier. My first child was born 30, I think I was 36. That's an awful late time to do that. I've now got four. We've stacked them in. In the last six years, we've had four kids on purpose because it's like we're behind the times. This is what our purpose on the earth is. Not for everybody, I get it, but if you're looking to have some skin in the game and you want to care, this is how you do it. And that's why it's so disgusting when we see that this Casey, uh, KABC is reporting there are no federal agents involved in this. They want to thank all of their local task force members. And they said something that's obvious. Human trafficking and child exploitation are devastating crimes. They destroy futures. And they prey on some of the most vulnerable members of our community, obviously. Over 500 arrested. No FBI movement in that. How sad. How sad. There are some people that work on this year-round. There are people that do this kind of work all the time. And then instead, what do we got? Not our feds. Why? What are our feds interested in? They're not interested in that. They've told us what they're interested in. And if you're just joining us, and I see that we had some new faces pop in here, folks, rumble.com slash Kyle Seraphin. Any other platform, come to that one. You'll join the live chat, which is already still scrolling. I pick up little bits and pieces from there. I see what you guys have to say. Uh, some of it I can keep track of. Some of it I can't. Join us there on Rumble. And uh, let's just see what's really important. You want to know what the top priority is? There it is. How surprising is that to you? Oh, this stuff makes me want to puke. This is coming from LPM.org. It says the head of the FBI in, uh, in Louisville is investigating January 6th. That's the top priority for domestic terrorism. That's what we're spending our time doing. There was an interview with Michael Stanbury, special agent in charge of the Bureau's Louisville office, about the agency's focus following January 6th. And he said investigating political violence is a top priority. Political violence... That happened on one day and has not been repeated. A black swan event for a couple of hours in a city that is not Louisville is the primary focus for this group. And not children. Not children. They're going to look in the past and not children. And so we know about this, right? We always knew this. But here's a little fun clip. Uh, Frontline looks like they did this, this little piece and it was a montage together. This is what propaganda looks like, folks. Not only did they create a narrative about January 6th that is curated and clearly missing context, which the, uh, the, the, what are the, the fact checkers love. It's also, it's also put to dramatic music and has been commissioned as legit propaganda. And what's better than propaganda? How about propaganda propping up your propaganda? Now you're the psyop inside the psyop. Now you're dealing with this. Enjoy this little little clip talking about how important it was to go hire a foreign-born storyteller from ABC to make sure that the compelling message of January 6th was compelling enough. By the way, their ratings were trash. They were absolutely awful. This video is quite telling. I think you guys will uh, at least appreciate the irony of what's going on in here when we have children at risk. Thompson's committee had gathered a trove of information. The challenge, what to do with it. The one thing that we knew was the information that we have is compelling. 
the thing we needed to do was tell that to the American people in a compelling way. So that's why we brought in a former president of ABC News. Yeah, I got a call pretty much out of the blue um, from the January the 6th committee. They wanted, they wanted a storyteller. And while they were brilliant, they were brilliant lawyers, storytelling for a mass audience is not what they do. To bring in a guy like this who would think outside the box really did prove to be fruitful. And it was Goldston who really began to envision this as, in a way, a kind of mini-series, that there would be you know, sort of nine episodes and that these episodes would tackle particular themes. I'm not going to play the entire video because uh, do you know what I know about mini-series and episodes and themes? They're fiction. They're devices used in fiction. Not very many people watched it to begin with, but the people that did were being sold a bill of goods on purpose because that was the purpose of what they were creating. They created something to uh, tell people what they wanted them to believe. And now you've got a documentary here that is actually showing this guy, Goldston, who was, uh, was at ABC previously. And you could hear by the accent, he's not from America originally. And his whole thing was, is these people are brilliant lawyers. Are they really, though? Like, let's just get real. I don't think they're brilliant anything. That's why they're in Congress there. But brilliant lawyers needed a storyteller. Anybody who's ever told their kids stories knows that the best way to tell a story is not exactly what happened. It's just the way that you want it to sound. Again, fiction. Adding some editorialism, some narrative telling people in themes. All of this stuff is so transparent, and it's the reason why we heard people like Nancy Pelosi let the kind of cat out of the bag, accidentally stating it's not about whatever goes on. We have to protect the narrative. The narrative is the storytelling, and the storytelling is fiction. It's really sad because wouldn't it be nice to know that Democrats and Republicans could just get together and say, look, some things happened on that day that were not great. I, I fully believe that there were people that did things that were in the wrong. And you shouldn't be punching cops. And I've said it since the beginning. And I also fully believe that what the story was from one side and the other side are not complete pieces of information, including the fact that we have a lot of information that was not run down about the pipe bomber. And it seems like suddenly everyone's interested in again. I've got all these interview requests coming in. Hey, can you pop in and talk to us about the pipe bomber? It's like, yeah, I can. That's actually an old story. Why didn't you care about that the entire last three years? Somebody allegedly dropped flipping bombs in our nation's capital, and then we just acted like it was never going to happen again. Why do we all know that it was never going to happen again? Can you just answer that for yourself? Why is everyone so confident that those bombs were the last ones? Is there someone that's going to run around and drop pipe bombs in Dallas or in, or in Chicago? Are they going to go blow people up while they're shooting at each other? Is it going to happen in L.A.? Could it happen anywhere that there's a contentious uh, mayoral race? Why do we not think that there's going to be more bombs? How come nobody on either side, regardless of what they say about January 6th, thinks there's going to be no bombs? I know why Republicans think there won't be, because they think it was a put-up job, because they look like they were a scam. It looks like, as Dan keeps saying, plan B. Uh, uh, Dan and I talked about it, Dan Bongino, the other day. We are having this short little discussion about it, and it's like, I think the guy who discovered those bombs interrupted whatever that plan was, because plans don't go according to the way that you set them up. You write them down on paper, and then things start happening, and then a random dude who's not in uniform walks by and goes, oh shit, that's a bomb. We gotta do something about a bomb. And then he's probably very confused, because he's like, wait a minute, I just told you there was a bomb. Like, aren't you Secret Service? Like, is the future vice president in that building, and you're not gonna do... That's weird. How come nobody behaves normally? Everybody has this instinct that that's not normal unless they're told something else. There may have been a plan. I don't think everybody was involved in it at all. I see that I'm peeking on the microphone. That means I'm getting too animated. Folks, 
Very, very strange. So at least you'd imagine that the Republicans are setting us up for, for success and that we have a very serious group of people that are taking this money that you guys donate when you want to make sure. I'm not a Republican, but I understand the nature and why it's important. So at least they're using your money to good purpose, right? They're running good campaigns. They're getting people into office. Uh, they're, they're spending the money on what you hope, which is like marketing and, and, and counter narrative. Is that what's going on? Is that what we see here? No. Really good article here from Jennifer Van Lahr over at Red State. Uh, I used to spend a lot of time reading Red State. I read less of it now than I used to, but I, I, I like this. Exclusive. The RNC spent $1.5 million. Hear that again. $1.5 million on floral arrangements, limousines, and management and media consultants. You know, when I think about a successful political campaign, I think... You know, what do we need? Good ad buys. You need a good spokesperson, maybe a really good speech writer. Maybe you need a good visual presentation. Maybe you need like a like somebody that can like uh, be a videographer and transmit it, some kind of social media content and floral arrangements and limousines. A little over a year ago, Red State had an exclusive investigation into the spending of the RNC, the Republican National Committee, revealed that millions of dollars that the donors put in were spent on things like floral arrangements, private jets, limousines, tickets to Broadway shows, high-end retail stores, et more. Hmm. So there was a big problem about it then, and now they've got some of these numbers. So total spending. This looks like it was for the last year, basically from October to November, October 22, November 23. Total spending, $128.7 million. The Democrats spent more, 1569 the payroll for the RNC was $15.3 million. The Democrats spent more, $20.3. And that's where things start getting stupid. Office supplies for the RNC was $300,000, $297,700. The Democrats spent $45,000 on office supplies. Management consulting. The RNC spent one point, roughly $1.1 million on management consulting. The RNC spent $114,000. Why would that be? Why would an organization that has less money spend, God, that's a huge differential, right? 10X more. Why would they spend 10X more on management consulting? It's not getting good outcomes. Then voter file maintenance. The DNC spent almost $250,000. The RNC spent $40,000. This seems like a, a pretty problematic issue. Media booking consultants, RNC, $116,000. DNC, $0. Limousines. The RNC spent $7,000. I'm sorry, the, the DNC, the Democrats spent $7,000 on limousines. The RNC spent $263,127.25. Almost, almost, almost 265 grand versus seven. That's a big differential, isn't it? Uh, GOTV texting. The Democrats spent $1.6 million reaching out directly to people on their phones. The RNSB spent 86000 The differential in the way that the spending is done is absolutely shocking. And the DNC spent almost $24 million going directly to state parties for state-level races, and the, and the RNC did about $14 million, $10 million less. Okay? So there you go. That is Rona McDaniels. She's the, the boss over at the RNC. Her only job is to raise money and then to use it to be able to further conservative Republican causes. I, I won't even say conservative. That's not right. And that money mix match is completely insane. They're also in debt, by the way. They spent more money than they made. There's another piece in that little, uh, that shows that they actually spent more money than they brought in to the tune of like $8 million. Yikes. 
So we have uh, people that are basically advertising to you that they are fiscally conservative when they are not, and that they are the ones who have all their SHIT together so that they can do the job you're hoping for, and they can't do it even in their own little piece here. Good Lord. Does that mean we're screwed? No, there's at least something funny out there in the world that we can watch. Let's do this. Uh, the woke game, the woke game is is having a backswing, and some people, including pretty bright people, there's some hope coming out of Davos of all places, where the World Economic Forum met. So I've got those two to wrap this thing up. Uh, before we do, one of these uh, the story coming up from uh, from Daily Signal. I actually found out about it. That's also covered in the Loop by Catholic Vote. So you guys can go to CatholicVote.org. I recommend that. Go to CatholicVote.org. Click uh, and and sign yourself up for the loop. Get the email every single day. I check it out before we do the show. Oftentimes we find good stories that either I'm going to be covering or is already uh, in our show notes and we know it's going to be of value. They're actually talking about the satanic statue from yesterday. There's a longer piece in there. A couple of good links to Daily Signal and some of their own independent reporting. Check out catholicvote.org and the loop. And by the way, if you guys want to give and support the Kyle Seraphin Show, you can totally do that um, on the give button. If you're looking for a place that's going to probably use your money a lot better, I've, I've talked to the president of Catholic Vote a number of times, and he's very much outcome driven and he's very conscious of what he's using donor money to do when it comes to political outcomes and they don't want to waste anybody's time or money on things that won't have any impact you know kind of like what you'd expect people to do wouldn't that be the thing that you'd mostly want i would uh for me that that makes a lot of sense okay here is a little bit of amusing this is kind of our palate cleanser and then we're gonna actually end out on a hopeful note i hope that's okay with you all we'll do it a little bit backwards right now here is a palate cleanser let me pop this up on here what you're seeing on the screen is a screenshot from the video I'm about to play you. It says, we are proud to acknowledge the Wurundjeri as the people. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. It's, it's uh, Australia. As the people, or uh, the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of this land. Okay, so indigenous peoples, aboriginal to the uh, this area. This is actually on the side of a building that these people have. Okay. And then we'll just see how well that is received by the people who actually represent that tribe. They're gonna go and try to get their land back real quick. This is kind of a funny little uh, amusing skit. I, I I assume that this was done as a hidden camera, kind of a prank on these people, but uh, when woke comes home would be a good answer. Here we go. Hello. 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 We've seen your yeah. mark here on the wall. We're the Wurundjeri people. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. We've seen the sign. All right. See, we're a bit, I haven't got anywhere to stay, so we're thinking, you know, we'll just stay here for that one or two months or something. We saw your sign there and we thought, oh, no, yeah. I don't know about that. Well, no, just us. No, we, we, won't, we won't be in much trouble. How did you know about it? With a sign. We saw it. that sign there. With we wouldn't what? ask only for the sign. Oh, yeah, it's a sign. It's a sign there, sir. I know it's a sign. I'm, I don't know who put it up there, so. Oh, well, we'll oh, just live in the, in the back of yeah, the house. Yeah, we'll cook up a feed. Yeah, there's some local rabbits we can hunt down and grab, cook it up. Yeah. If you like rabbit, we can share it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, get some wicked grub for everything. No one's here at the moment. That's, yeah. that's the problem. Either the way, we will have big grubbery. We'll so set up and we'll sing. I just don't know what to do. Oh, we could just yeah, set a fire. Why weren't they getting their land back? I didn't understand. This so wasn't going as well as I expected. We've got a dot patent here if you want one to hang up. A what? A dot patent? Yeah, we've got some patents for it. Yeah. We can give you. Yeah, it's just their land. They're just trying to get back to it. You put a sign up about that, you woke clowns. How come you won't let them come in and stay for, you know, one or two months? 
without being giving any uh, warning that they're coming in. It's good times. Uh, I think this is what all the stuff, and obviously the people that are that are making that uh, that play for for access to the house are also in on the joke, right? This was the context that it came up. It was actually on Twitter, and it just said, a woke Australian family put the sign up that says that their long belongs to this traditional owners, and then uh, when the traditional owners showed up, then they wouldn't let them in. Like, what's going on here? Uh, imagine all of your neighbors that have exactly that same sign, folks. You have neighbors that have this. Nobody is illegal. Really? Unlock your doors. Let's see. Let's see who's illegal. Because none of these people can live by the BS values, which is the same reason why you have those little kids, uh, teenage adult kids, toddler acting children in Chicago that are cheering in the uh, in the gallery there over something that one has no play like Chicago has no say on whether or not Israel and Gaza are going to have a ceasefire and two they don't even know what that means they have no idea they've never seen any violence they have no concept of the of the historical nature of that and so when you put up nobody is illegal or we're on stolen grounds yeah give it back everybody that thinks that needs to give it back I don't think I'm on stolen grounds I think my family bought this or rented it fair and square that's my position. Things happen. Welcome to history. Every bit of land has always been claimed or counterclaimed by another group. And you know who kept it? The strongest. I don't know why Americans are like, I guess only the weak Americans are the ones that are going to basically complain about the things that they're benefiting from, which is to say conquest. We talk about Western society being based on the future because there's a lot less conquest recently because we've all kind of conquered everything. And then we're all kind of like, okay, we're at a stalemate. Everyone's got what they need. Now you can buy it. That's what conquest looks like now. It's an it's a uh, it's a financial war. It's an economic acquisition as opposed to at the tip of the sword. But these people, you know, they've never they've never fought for anything like physically fought for anything probably in their lives. So it's not surprising that they're willing to give away things that were fought for. That's just that's just my perspective on it. Like I said, it's not all bad news out there, folks. It's not it's not all going the wrong way. We actually have a pretty positive story. This came out of Davos of all places, the WEF meeting and they did this little thing this is in daily signal today uh, i was also tipped off to this in our um in our loop email this is written by kevin roberts who's the president of the heritage foundation which also runs daily signal so you know he has a pretty easy output um easy way to, to to put this stuff into the into the ether he says he recently attended the economic forum we actually played a clip from it the other day so if you recall he was the one that said he was there to speak candidly and the the subtitle of this is that the future of democracy is secure that's what he learned that's actually a pretty hopeful message for a guy who just went and hung out with what would otherwise be known as sort of like Bond villains, right? He said, I wasn't particularly persuaded by Professor Klaus Schwab's call for more open and transparent conversations as I watched the Economic Forum founder and his friends set the agenda for the Great Reset while hobnobbing in a remote Swiss Alps town. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, nobody seems particularly uh, hopeful about any of this stuff, but he said they're old, they're tired, they're scared, and they should be. Their time is up, and that's what I told them right through their faces. But they won't relinquish this weak grip on power voluntarily. So how do we depose them from their lavish throne in the Alps? And the answer is simple and a timeless motto. Live not by lies. Isn't that the most important thing? The whole point of what we're doing here on this show and what I think many of you are gravitating towards, you're getting away from mainstream type medias, these sort of antiquated three-minute sound bites, and then we're off. And what we're doing is having longer discussions about what's happening why it's happening, and what you might need to make your own decisions on it. I just gave you just straight facts coming out of Chicago. I have some feelings about it. So do you. We may not have the same feelings. One of the best little reviews that we had, and we've got one in our review for today. People don't agree with everything I say. I know you guys don't agree with everything. It's one more sort of piece of equipment. It's one more arrow in your quiver. So you go into the world. You've got more information about what's happening, number one, and why I think it is. And you can decide for yourself. 
Live not by lies. I'll tell you what I think. Nobody controls what I say. Nobody controls what you think if you're being honest. And so that means you have to be a skeptic and you need to go out there and look for more information all the time. You should be doing the same thing. Maybe not as much as I do because I do this all day long. But you should be out there and, and whenever you hear something, you go, that doesn't sound right. Is that true? You should question it. And that's how you live not by lies. You seek truth. It's quite, it's quite clear and easy. And luckily, uh, we've, got, we've got Kevin Roberts saying that they're scared. He's sitting out there and he says, I don't think they have it all together. These people are pushing all these things, not from a position of strength, not a position of authority, but this sort of tenuous grasp on politicians who are theatrical and acting and telling Iran, don't. You know, there's just nothing powerful about that. That's the weakest thing. The American people are much more dangerous and much more interesting, and they have much more resolve. These people should be scared because it is our country. And the minute the people start realizing that they do have that access, it happens locally. Those, those federal figures worrying about abortion, they are impotent with rage, and they can't do anything about it. So affect things locally with your, your city councils and with your state governments. We had, uh, who do we have? We had uh, Colton Moore on not too long ago, and he was talking about it. It was like a couple thousand bucks for him to win a state-level race. There's not a lot of money in it, but the amount of power, we know that the presidential elections are actually decided by the plenary power of the state legislature. That's where the power lies in the states. It's supposed to lie like that. That was the original compromise. So, folks, as long as you know those things, you don't have to be scared of a federal government. doesn't mean there's not a lot of evil. We have to be aware of it. But there's also a reaction to it. And the reaction is not woke stupidity by putting a sign outside of your door with a bunch of non nonsense that you're not going to live by. It's just like living your values and, and uh, live not by lies. I really like what he had to say. It's quite good stuff. Uh, let's talk about somebody who doesn't live by lies but lives by, uh, I guess, the, the heat press, the transfer press. My buddy Garrett O'Boyle. Is that a good segue or not? Uh, guys, you could support the O'Boyle Family Merch Store. This is the Suspendables website. You can go to the-suspendables.com. Don't forget the dash in between the and Suspendables, the-suspendables.com. The promo code is Kyle. We actually closed a deal on Twitter the other day. Someone said, Kyle, I think it was an FBI employee based on the way they were saying it. They said, uh, can I wear one of the Suspendables shirts? Can I get a discount code to wear the Suspendables shirts to my firearm session? You know, my PFI is really going to love it. And I said... Yes, you can. How about promo code Kyle? That'll save you 10% on pretty much all of the items. And then you also can still get three of those pins for 30 bucks. I think they're like 14 or 15 bucks a piece. Add three to your cart. It automatically gives you the discount and there's free shipping on it. So check out the-dispendables.com. You guys can do the merch. I know you guys have been really, really supportive of keeping Garrett busy. I'm I'm very happy about that. It's profiting for his wife's company, which is the uh, the last line strength printing press. Good to go. I like that his wife is running him ragged down there like, I've actually watched him do the work, and it's good times, folks. So thanks so much. Let's do a five-star review because you guys are the reasons that we do this show. It is for you. And this is from our audio listeners on Apple. This one is written. It says, Powhatan fan, Mary. I assume that Mary is the Powhatan fan. I don't know what the Powhatan is either. So maybe one of you guys will tell me what that is. Uh, Mary says five stars, but she has a disagreement with me, and I'm okay with this. She says, I disagree with one tiny statement when you were talking about the wonderfulness of your daughter learning to read and that most of us would have very little use for math. It's not true. I know people in poor areas who are completely innumerate. And they are evicted all the time because they have no idea on how much or how little money they have. Everyone has a use for math. The people who have none are pitiful, as pitiful as the illiterate. All right, we could agree to disagree on that. I think when I use the word math, I'm using higher mathematics. I think arithmetic is really important. Um, I'm talking about like calculus and sort of theoretical math. 
But yeah, you're right, Mary, and I'll take that correction. I think you're correct. Being able to look into the world and see that words and numbers have meanings and unlocking those hidden meanings, it's amazing. It's really, really cool to see that on a child. And that is why I'm just telling you, there's something special about having kids and watching all those things through that sort of meta view of remembering when you learn those things and then seeing another person that you love and you support every single day, learning them as well. It's awesome. Uh, highly recommend it. Folks, visit our sponsors. They're all listed in the, uh, the show description for any of those things that you might need. And we do appreciate you joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm expecting a friendly Friday unless Steve Friend gets uh, wrapped up because of his very aggressive comments against the uh, the Justice Department. We'll see you guys tomorrow. God bless. And uh, hang in there. It's still getting better. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.